0: Like, let's be candid, it, it seems like a bit of an odd book at first read, but as we've been walking through this, and as we've been preparing to teach, i, I got to be uh, honest with you, this is now one of my favorite books, and I hope that today will kind of help, uh, challenge, and maybe encourage you. Hey, Not me. So, that's right, two new mics. Hey, there we go. So anyway, I hope, that, uh, I hope that today is a bit challenging and encouraging for you. Can you guys hear me okay without the mic? Yeah. Outstanding. I can. So I can. <laughs> let's read through it. I'm reading through the ESV version. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, What are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For for he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him uh, how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit, or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. Now, Ecclesiastes is one of the books in Scripture. There are a few that you really cannot just grab a section of and understand it. You got to read the entire thing, cover to cover. So this is one. Uh, there is there is significant value in actually sitting down sometimes and reading long passages of scripture, which is why I'm excited about the challenge that Iron Man has begun doing with the Book of James and now the Book of Galatians. And really, reading six chapters in Galatians is not bad. I mean, 15 minutes to two hours, Joe. However long yeah. it takes you a day, get her done. So, um, but Ecclesiastes is one of those books you really can't get the gist of it until you read the whole thing. It really sounds like a Debbie Downer and a bit of a, what is this? Like, I feel depressed and discouraged after reading this book. But I hope that you will see after today that it is an incredible encouragement. So what I want to do, uh, Dave, if you'll help me pass these out. This can go to our table. Uh, I did not plan on this many people being here I figured once people heard that I was teaching we'd have like 5 people show up so we're going to have to share copies there should be one stack per table and then and then we sh- we can go from there so so what I want to do is take us back to the book of Genesis and look at how God's plan overall works because You really can't understand the book of Ecclesiastes, I don't think, until you understand the basic overview of God's simple plan for life. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden... They were created with a purpose of walking with the creator in an intimate relationship with God, the creator of the universe. The one who spoke galaxies into being said, let there be light and, and just bang, like universe happened. Planets, like, I mean, just an incredible privilege to get to walk in intimate relationship with God in the cool of the garden. Now, God gave him a simple choice. One choice, and I would submit to you that that same choice has been the one choice that we have throughout our entire lives. And it's this, to choose that God in His way leads to abundant life. Or to choose that we, right, and pursue our own divinity to go and pursue abundant life on our own. In other words, we're essentially telling God, God, I don't need you, I got this, I'm going to go find abundant life, I'm going to go seek joy and happiness and fulfillment in other sources other than you. So, when we look at that choice, we have truth from God. This is all right in the book of Genesis. We can learn so much about life in the first three chapters of Genesis. So God says that His way... And he, and he leads to abundant life. But the enemy says, and you've probably heard this lie in your own soul, God's way robs of life. It's going to lead to a dull and boring party pooper kind of life. He's trying to stop you from doing things. Uh, in, in fact, church culture, or excuse me, the world thinks of church culture as this big killjoy that it's, it's all about stopping sin. It's about not doing the things that are fun and exciting. Whereas God says his way, Leads to life. The other choice, what the world would say is good, God says leads to death. Right? So the truth from God is that if we seek abundant life on our own, apart from God, it will eventually lead to brokenness and malfunction and death. So... What the enemy says is that you won't surely die. It's exactly written there in Genesis. You won't die. In other words, God's lying to you. This is the father of lies saying that God is lying, right? You won't surely die. You'll be like God and can find abundant life on your own. So everything in life boils down to that simple choice. And it it affects your business decisions. It affects your marriage. It affects how you parent your children. It affects every single area of your life. And we make that one simple choice right there over and over and over and over again throughout every single day. And ultimately, we make that choice. For the rest of eternity. To say, God, yes, I've, well, I want to follow you. I trust you. You are the source of abundant life. Versus the choice to say a f- ultimate and final declaration to God. God, I don't need you. I've got this. I'm going to go do abundant life on my own. Right? And that is what I would submit to you when Jesus says the unforgivable sin. Right? He says there's one sin that will not be forgiven. And it's what? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Right? And a lot of scholars like that's been, you know, I remember first reading that. Whoa, you mean to tell me there's something that I can do that I won't that I can't possibly be forgiven of? And I would suggest to you that it's basically it's the ultimate and final declaration at the end of your life. God, I don't need you. Because what is the Holy Spirit here to do in the lives of unbelievers? John chapter 16, it's to convict the entire world of sin. So the Holy Spirit's role in the lives of unbelievers is to say, hey, <laughs> You're you're headed to brokenness. The Mack truck's coming and you're walking out in the middle of the street. Stop. Right? That's the Holy Spirit's role. And it's not a killjoy. It It is because He loves you and He knows that it's going to lead to brokenness and malfunction. And when we operate contrary to who we were made to be, life doesn't work right. And y'all have heard me give this illustration before. If I want to listen to my favorite CD and I plug it into the vacuum cleaner, it's going to break because it wasn't made to do that. right? And when we operate contrary to who we were made to be, we break. Life breaks. Malfunction happens. Marriages fall apart. right? Lying is not wrong because the Bible says so. The Bible says so because God is truth. And we were made in His image. And when we operate contrary to who we were made to be, we break. Right, Killing is not wrong because the Bible says so. It's wrong because God is life and we were made in His image. And so when we operate contrary to who we were made to be, it leads to brokenness and malfunction. Now, this is why I want you to understand why this is so crucial for the book of Ecclesiastes and why this book, in my opinion, now is one of my top three books in the entirety of Scripture because here's the gift of the, of the book of Ecclesiastes. You got this choice. God in his way leads to abundant life. All other ways lead to death, right? Here's what God did for you and for me. He took one individual on the planet And gave him everything that you could possibly think of that would lead to abundant life. He gave him all the sex he could have. He gave him all the money he could have. He gave him peace on the planet. Like everything that you hear um, that, that people pursue after, God gave to Solomon. Even wisdom. And even wisdom, Solomon says, is nothing apart from God. So here's a dude who had everything that you and I could ever think to strive for, every idol that we would ever hope to dream for, that is going to bring us joy and happiness and peace. In other words, if I just had this, if I just had this job, if I just had this house, this car, this woman, this whatever, then I would be happy, right? God gave that to him, gave him 700 women plus another 300 concubines or whatever. Anyway, that dude, I mean, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're in a room full of men, right? I mean, so he said, bring me number 347 tonight. You know what I mean? It's like this dude had everything that we think would bring us joy. And he had all of that, and he got to the end of that, and he said, this is emptiness, Right, And I've had so many conversations as a pastor with guys that have the nice cars and the nice homes and the nice this, that, and the other, and they come to me broken and empty and saying my life is a complete shambles when on the outside it looks like, man, that's the guy that I want to be. And a good friend of mine uh, was a part of Young Life for a lot of years and they spent a lot of time at Olympia High School, which is right near Windermere. A lot of these kids driving up in like these macked out cars that their parents bought for them and they would come to him and bury their their head in his shoulder in tears just saying, I just want my dad to spend time with me. This stuff is emptiness. Our entire existence is about relating with God. So when we ask you to read the Bible, when we say, talk about the importance of prayer, it's not the means to the end. That is the end. It is our entire purpose for existence is to relate with God and to walk with God. We have an incredible privilege that the creator of the universe wants to do that with us. And so that's the book, the gift that the book of Ecclesiastes is to us because God gave gave everything to Solomon and he said it's emptiness it's it's hevel it's nothing apart from God so Why did David, down at the bottom of your page there, why did David say in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned. When I kill somebody else, when I steal from somebody else, when I do this, that, or the other, you would think initially I've hurt that person and that's where the sin is. But David said against you and you only have I sinned. Why? I would submit to you it's because the only reason we ever sin any sin, doesn't matter what it is, is because ultimately we are saying, this thing is going to bring me abundant life, right, because God's not enough, right, now none of us, that sounds heavy to say, none of us would ever actually utter those words, right, but that's ultimately what we're saying with our actions, God, you're not enough for me, I need this thing over here, right, so... That's where we need to do some deep soul searching. You and me both, right? We've got to do some deep soul searching. And and when we find areas of sin in our lives, here's the question that I would suggest that you ask yourself. What is it about God that is not enough for me? And why isn't He enough for me? And here's the cool thing about our God is He knows that truth already. And when you confess it to Him, you can go to Him in prayer and say, God, help me. Because you're not enough for me. Why? That's an incredible father that loves us so much that we could go to him and confess that to him and ask for his help to birth that love within us. And he'll do it. That's Because that's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for your life. So why did David say against you and you only have I sinned? Because ultimately every sin boils down to us saying to God, God, you're not enough. I need this other thing above you in order to have abundant life. So when it comes to temptation and sin, sometimes things in our lives can be repetitive pitfalls and things that we cry out. I don't know about you guys, right? But I'm a dude and, and let's be honest. I mean, I, I'm sure there's more than one like me in here that struggles with, with lust and, and, you know, watching the pretty woman jog by, those kinds of things. I remember in seminary, I was talking to a pastor 80 years old. Well, excuse me, I, I overheard a conversation between another seminary classmate and a pastor who was 80 years old and he said, Pastor, at what age do you stop lusting? And the pastor thought about it for a minute and he said sometime after 80, right? So, I mean, the reality is that we have some pitfalls, and some of those pitfalls seem like they are incredibly challenging to overcome. In fact, maybe sometimes they seem impossible, but this is why I love this quote from C.S. Lewis and why I think this challenge from the book of Ecclesiastes is so powerful. If you'll flip your page over. When it comes to temptation and and it seems like these temptations are too strong for us, here's what C.S. Lewis said. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, not too strong, but too weak. Jesus said if we are to come after him we are to take up our cross daily. The cross was an instrument of death. Our entire one of our main purposes on this planet is to constantly drive the nail in the old self so that he can come alive in us. But here's the beauty of what I'm challenging us with today is it's not just sacrificing so that we have a miserable life it's sacrificing so that we can have the ultimate and complete life in intimate relationship with the Father. He is abundant life right whereas most of the time if we're honest we pray to God like he is the genie in a bottle so that he will give us this thing that is abundant life right but the gift of God is that he is abundant life he is eternal life and here's what's wild we cannot lose the only thing that can satisfy our souls we can't Lose it. And there's incredible freedom. We were talking yesterday with some of the some of the guys from Iron Man, uh, met yesterday morning, and we were talking about loving our wives well. And sometimes that love is not returned, right? Sometimes it feels like we're giving and giving and giving and giving without getting anything in return. And I just want to encourage, challenge us this morning with this simple truth. She, nor anything else in our lives, can truly satisfy our souls. Only God can. We already have Him, and we can't lose Him. Only God can satisfy our souls. We've already got Him. And we can't lose them. So that means it doesn't matter if you get crapped on the rest of your life. You have everything that you need right now for abundant life. And you cannot lose it. There's incredible freedom in that truth. Incredible freedom. And we don't have the responsibility now of having to go and seek abundant life. We get to let go of that pressure and it doesn't mean we just go sit margarita's poolside all the time it, it means that we now get the privilege of participating with God and taking that incredible message of freedom to people that are out there striving for heaven right so i hope this also births within us a hunger and a passion to take this good news out to the rest of the world because there's a world that's out there that desperately needs it amen, amen.